And welcome back, everyone, to another amazing episode of the Level Up Grappling Podcast, the official podcast of PCI Jiu-Jitsu here in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your host, Ed, along with my co-host, Coach Brian. Coach I'm Brian, doing how you awesome. doing today? Well, my voice is a little off, so if anybody thinks I sound weird today, I apologize. I'm having some respiratory issues. My asthma's acting up. And then also yelling at Ed and Nick uh, from the previous week at the <laughs> tournament. I'm a little off. So if I'm coughing or if I sound like a weirdo, I apologize. I didn't take up smoking, just asthma and uh, <laughs> sore lungs. So you took up that vaping life, didn't you? No, no not I'm at just all. Kidding. <laughs> I will say that in my history, in my professional life, I did work for a vape company at one point. It's mm. been quite interesting, uh, interesting period of, in my, in my life. Um, very, it's a very interesting industry, but that's for another day. <laughs> so anyway, um, today uh, to build, kind of build off and and run off of the um, our my competition reflections mm-hmm. episode. Um, one of the things that I found to be really unique and different in my grappling experience is mm-hmm. the pin. And so I'll kind of get into a brief history around it. So many of you guys, if you guys have been listening to the episode for a while, know that my grappling history or my grappling past really has primarily been with um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And in both situations that, in both time periods that I was training, uh, stand-up really, the stand-up fight really was not ever emphasized. Um, If anything, it was just more or less just try to figure out a way to get somebody down and, and, or yeah, pull guard and just start playing on the ground. And in a sense, either stay on top or be on the bottom position. Obviously with BJJ, a lot of it is from the back and I never took into consideration and never actually never even knew what a pin was until I got to PCI. And this past competition was the first time that I've ever experienced or really even seen pins per se in action. Yes, you know, you you see the wrestling videos and you see certain other, uh, you know, judo videos and things of that sort, but I never really understood exactly how does somebody win in a wrestling match. And it's kind of one of those things where it's generically speaking, everybody understands, oh, you pinned the guy. They He was pinned and... You just kind of think pro wrestling, WWE, right? The guy slams the guy on the ground. He's lying on top of him. You see this overdramatic ref coming down, sliding onto his stomach, slapping the ground, one, two, three, and then waving their hands, ding, ding, ding. That's the end of the match. I never really understood the technicalities around the pin. And so I think this episode, what I'd like to dive in with you, Coach Brian, is twofold. One is the competition side of it. But two, where does the pin play? Where's the role of the pin? How does the role of the pin play in the grappling arts Mm -hmm. as a, in a sense, as a, I don't know a word for it, maybe a finishing Mm -hmm. move per se, um, for lack of, again, this is just because I don't know how to articulate this or, and, or even from a self-defense point of view, because we you've mentioned in the past in past episodes about how with brazilian jiu-jitsu and let's use your trigger word with the gracies having removed Mm -hmm. the pin right uh when you look at when i think about the gracies or when i looked at again especially before you killed off all my fanboyism about all of this about this removal of the pin and so obviously training in bjj the pin was never an issue for me it's okay to just be lying on my back and playing patty cake right. per se. And so, but at the same time, when I first started hearing about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, even in the context of MMA, the UFC, um, things of that sort, it's always been, oh, self. It's, this is amazing for self-defense, amazing for self-defense. Now, again, the reason why I'm, I want to separate it between competition versus actual self-defense or combat arts, let's say, is that um, 
in in the competition, if you're pinned three counts, you're done. The match is over. Which again, I learned in my second match against Jason Martinez um, at the last mm-hmm. competition. Now, from a self defense point of view, I can see the pin as a a tool mm-hmm. per se, um, in that it it's used to control your opponent, right? And again, that's my assumption, and so I'm I'm hoping it, whether that's correct or not, we'll, we'll dive deeper into it. But I, I think starting with the competition side might make it a little bit easier for those who are like me who don't really who don't really understand the pin, and for let's just say a lot of BJJ practitioners who don't know and understand why the pin is so important, um, as to why we should be understanding it, as to what exactly is it, and how does it play a role in grappling, and I think that will transition us into. Again, how does this, where does this play in the grappling arts, in combat arts, and then even in the context of self-defense? Yeah. Right. Makes sense. So, so for me, in competition, it was weird because I was watching, as I'm watching these matches, I see people getting, losing by pin and it's like one, two, three, done. And the technicality about it was that if your shoulder blades were touching, if both shoulder blades were touching the mat and you were, and the other person was quote unquote, not in your guard, right? Half guard was okay. Side control, obviously all that was okay. But if you were straight up in the guard, then no, uh, it was interesting to see how long the pins felt watching, but how short it felt being in sure. the match. Um, it's as believe it or not, this is, this is a hot topic and I don't really think it should be because to me, it's just self-evident, right? Like, you know, what is it? The, like in our, our, what is the declaration of independence or whatever? We hold these truths to be self-evident. There's certain things that we should hold these truths to be self-evident. One of which is the value of a of pinning. <laughs> so, at some point, my buddy Dax from Hema Grapplers is going to come on. So if you guys haven't ever checked out the Facebook page, Hema Grapplers, historic, historical European martial arts. Uh, this guy, he's, he's in Florida. He's a martial artist, judoka, and swordsman. And so he does a lot of research, historical research on the history of not only European martial arts, but grappling in ancient Europe and also the interwoven um, relationship between the grappling and sword fighting, which is really fascinating. And we'll have him at some point come on and talk about it. So what the hell does this have to do with the pin? Coach, what is this guy talking about? He's just rambling on about European sword fighters. Yeah, okay, here's the thing. Why is there a three count and a pin? Okay. I mean, technically you can make up any, anything, but think of this. If your shoulders are on the ground and I have a sword, do you think it takes more than a three count for me to stab that sword through your chest? Nope. That's about it. That's about all it takes for me to have complete domination over my opponent. Knife, sword, whatever. If I pin your shoulders to the ground, you're as good as dead. So conceptually, when we're looking at the global pin in terms of a finish, a pin signifies physical dominance. It means that you outgrappled your opponent. It's very simple. It's not, oh, I pulled 50-50 and lifted my ass in the air. Oh, I got a I got an advantage on a spider guard sweep, and therefore I'm the champion. Bullshit. You're a fraud. You want to be a real grappling champion? Learn how to pin somebody. Learn how to dominate them physically from the top position. Anybody can sit there and just learn how to pull a lapel 
Or listen, he doesn't even have to be a geek. Be no geek as well. Just hold on to an ankle and be like, I'm going to hook my leg with the De La Hiva. Look at me. Look how cool I am. Or I'm going to invert. Really? You're going to invert? Every time you invert, I can pin you. Every time I pin you, there's a knife going right through your chest or your throat or your skull. So globally, this is what I need you all to envision. The dangers of not learning pin escapes and pin procedures. It's, it's really that simple. So yes, you have the shoulder pin, right? We're pinning the shoulders to the mat, three count. Mm-hmm. That's showing us that you have some kind of dominance. Now, are you somebody that I've trained with in the past that I've learned from um, a lot from? was a, a, a very famous wrestler by the name of Wade Shallis. And he has a very unique pinning method. It's the fit pinning method that, for the most part, I predominantly lift, copy, steal, and use in my classes on a daily basis. <laughs> Proudly, because it's like, if I've learned from the best, why not copy from the best? Right? If I learned the best toehold from Josh Barnett, why would I use any other toehold but besides the one that Josh Barnett told me? Right? If I learned a particular compression lock from, again, Josh Barnett, why would I use anything else? If I learned a shin ride from Billy Robinson a particular way, why would I use anything else if I got a master, a master of a particular technique to teach me? No, I'm going to copy it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cite my source, which I always do. Every time I'm in class, I say, guys, our pinning techniques are coming from Wade Chalice. Here's a big part of it. This is what's coming from Billy Robinson. This is, this is what's coming from Hiditako Aso Sensei. This is what's coming from Chris Howder. This is what's coming from Higan Machado. This is what comes from Marcel Lozado. So everything that I put into practice in my classroom, is directly related to somebody who influenced me. Here's Josh Barnett's heel hook. Why are we using it? Because I said so. Here's Eric Paulson's top wrist lock. Why are we using this? Because it's the most effective one, in my opinion. The particular, you know, I'm using this as an example, just random stuff. There's very few people, in my opinion, that have mastered physical dominance now notice i didn't say mastered like you know some whirly twirly technique i don't give a shit about a whirly twirly technique i care about physical dominance because that's what wins fights yes okay well i can invert and i can grab this and i can do the worm guard and i can win the match i don't care Save that for your stupid fraud ibjjf tournament that doesn't mean anything anyways it's a tournament company Okay, please, go away. You flee. Go away. You want to come and actually learn how to fight? Come on down. PCI Jiu-Jitsu, Mission Viejo, California. Teach you how to fight. So the pin, number one, is an expression of physical dominance. If somebody can pin you, it means you cannot get up. And what I'm talking about, what I'm referring to is a shoulder pin. So for those of you that don't know, what is PCI Jiu-Jitsu? We're a hybrid grappling system, but what is PCI? Pin, control, isolate. Literally, that's what the school's name stands for. Pin, control, isolate. Where did I get that from? I got that from one person, Billy Robinson. This is what was instructed personally to me by Billy Robinson. This is the methodology that I follow. This is what I teach. What are we pinning? So let's go further. Let's extract further. Am I just running to the shoulders to pin? No. We pin what? The closest joint. So our attacks always start with joint pins. If I'm pinning your joint, it's going to be hard for you to move. Because what I'm doing is I'm creating maximum amount of pressure, concentrated pinning pressure, into a small, flexible space, your joint. It's incredibly painful. It's incredibly debilitating from the person on the receiving end. And it's incredibly functional and effective for the person dishing it out. 
So we always start with pinning the closest joint. This is just straight Billy Robinson. It's catch wrestling. It's not something you see in Brazilian jiu-jitsu because this was eliminated years and years ago. Because as we know, this is something that I think by now should be indisputable. The Gracie, there's no evidence that Gracie's trained with the Maeda's. We know with Maeda, we know that the Gracies invented their own belt system. We know that they invented their own hierarchy. Okay. We know that they what they didn't quote invent is their rule set, which evolved their particular style of grappling. Their style of grappling basically eliminated two things that are critical to winning a fight. Number one, proper takedowns. So stand-up grappling. Remember, grappling does not begin on the ground. Grappling, friends, begins standing up always, 100% of the time. Therefore, if you are not focusing on your judo or wrestling first, you are making a huge mistake. You need to dictate where the fight goes, and you need to dictate who is on top. Sorry, Jeff Glover. I don't care how good your inversion is. You know, I respect the guy for what he's done in the jiu-jitsu world. But guess what? I'll take any wrestler. (laughs) They'll put him on his back and it'll break his back. They will break his back immediately. You want your back broken? Go ahead and invert. Go ahead and pull guard on the street. Okay? You're going to get smashed. You're going to get pinned. You're going to get wrecked. Good luck if you survive. And again, this is against a a grappler, an actual grappler, a judoka or a wrestler. I'm not saying against some drunk bum. Okay? So we have to learn these positions. So we know that the Gracies took out throws. We know that they took out pins. And all of a sudden, magically from out of nowhere, there's all this extra guard play. Not that the guard... In what we call the in catch wrestling, the body scissors. Not that this did not exist. Helio Gracie did not invent the guard. Helio and Gracie invented nothing. He invented a mythology. He did not invent a move. He did not invent a technique. He invented a mythology. Okay, let's let's be very very clear about this. Okay, so the guard has always existed. If you want to call it the guard, whatever, the body scissors, I don't care what you call it. But the purpose of it was different. In a pin situation, in a fight situation versus a, quote, Gracie jiu-jitsu sport BJJ situation where all of a sudden there is no consequence. There is no physical consequence for your action of just laying on your back. Now, interestingly enough, if we draw this now to what sport jiu-jitsu is today, loosely, sport jiu-jitsu still rewards pins. How? Now you guys are saying, Brian, you're nuts. What the fuck? You just said they don't acknowledge pins. Now you're saying they reward (laughs) pins. Yes. Isn't that funny? This is like a total total catch-22 here. How do they reward pins? Well, how many points do you get if you're inside control? I don't know, two, three, something. It's a couple points, right? You're not getting points for pulling guard. I'm sure there's plenty of assholes out there that would love that. I pulled guard. I should get six points. Yeah, shut up. They reward points for faux pins. So cross-side position, you get points. I think it's probably two points. I don't really follow the IBJJF. I don't, and there's so many rule sets nowadays. Like we don't play for points. We just play to win right? Our system, we play to pin, we play for submission. That's it. So I don't really look at the points, but generally speaking, I know this is how it works. You have a, uh, points for side control or cross side position, right? So let's say that's two points. Mount, let's say that that's four points. That's a pin again. Why? You're on top of the person. They can't move their shoulders. If you have a back mount, right? There's points for that, too. You have them pinned to your body. So theoretically, they're rewarding points because they're saying that that's a dominant position, but they're taking the concept of the pin away because they're saying, well, just the points are are enough, but they're not showing 
what is the dire consequence of being in that position? Okay. The consequence is suffering or death. So I need us to focus not just on, okay, are my, sho- are my opponent's shoulders on the mat? Do I have this XYZ style pin? But how well do you know joint pins? Right? And guys, if you don't, if you're not picking up on this by now, you're getting an amazing amount of free content from us here, which is worth thousands of dollars in training, private training, lessons, and stuff like that. And this is stuff your teachers are never going to tell you. They're not going to instruct you on because they don't get it. They don't know it. Trust me. Um, so joint pins are incredibly important. How you set up your rides into a joint pin on that ankle joint, on the knee joint. And, and I'll tell you, Ed, something that drives me nuts, and you've seen this, I, I've showed you before, is when people do the knee slice pass. It's a very common pass, right? Mm-hmm. From an open guard, the knee slice pass. Yeah. Everybody does it wrong because everybody cuts through the thigh. There's no joint pin. There's mm-hmm. no pin when you do that. We have a unique method, right, where we're literally pinning the knee joint and we're ri- literally ripping yeah. the leg off. And it hurts a lot. (laughs) That's how you want a real knee slice pass. You want to really cut somebody off. That's what you do. It's not fun. People don't like it, but it's far more effective. When you do the knee slice pass the way it's taught in this BJJ world, a lot of times your leg gets caught because they go into quarter guard or they bump you and then they get into a top position. So there's a lot of, things that can happen when you're just cutting through thighs. So I'm never a fan of cutting through muscle. I'm always a fan of cutting joints. And how do we cut joints? We cut joints by pinning them. We pin them and we grind them. And this is something that I think people need to learn because one of the things I teach in class all the time is like, I'll pin somebody's elbow and I'll be like, okay, get up. And they're like, oh, shit, I can't get up. Nope, you can't. Like, how are you doing that? I'm pinning your elbow. I just have to use my knee joint on your elbow. You will not get up. I don't care how hard you squirm. That's it. It's really that simple. That's how you control somebody. So when we're looking at our PCI hybrid grappling system, pin, number one, Billy Robinson, pin the closest joint. Number two, control the man. Work your way to isolation. Isolation is a two-on-one. This is this is our. There, there's a secret. Cat's out of the bag. Now you got to come learn it right. You got to come with us and learn it right. But that's it. There, there it is. There's the big reveal. <laughs> How you set up these pins? Because we'd like to sponsor the show and pay us a <laughs> uh, tip for Coach Brian's information. Uh, you guys can go ahead and subscribe to our Spotify sponsorship. No. Just kidding. Anyway. So, um, I don't mean to cut you off. Uh, it's it. The way that I've been processing this again is because my only experience with the pin, or the way that I should say it is, my contextual experience and understanding with the pin has primarily been with the shoulder blades down in a competition mm-hmm. setting. And so, however, even though theoretically speaking, or actually uh, practically practically speaking, the PCI system, we're talking of again pin yeah. the nearest joint. And so really, even today's episode, what we're talking about is not just the shoulder pin. It's legitimately where are we pinning, right? And if you guys hear Eleanor in the background kicking and screaming, it's because she doesn't want to take her nap. But anyway, we're working on that. So, um, but that, that's been my thing. It's like putting both elbows down, I'm sorry, both shoulders down as a way of control. But I never even thought of in the sense of life and death. And so for you to tell to talk about the joint pin i think is really interesting because yeah pinning the knee pinning the nearest joint pinning an ankle pinning the elbow has been a very powerful way of approaching grappling for me yeah and how you control end up controlling the shoulder blades and how to learn how to scramble out of that is important because think about this right we lost the position why did we lose a position ed Uh You lost the position because you lost the hand fight. So were you, when you were in that cross site, when you got pinned, 
Why, why, why did that happen? Well, I want to say to make myself feel better that I tripped over my own feet, but in reality, it's because, yeah, I did well, lose you, the hand Well, you fight. tripped over yourself, Whether, right? But once you hit the floor... Yeah. Oh, I was done. I had no control exactly. over the hands. He had full control over me. You had no me. control over the hands. And the reality is, in order for you to have avoided that pin, all you needed to do was control the cross-side wrist, right? The cross-face wrist. If you had controlled mm-hmm. that hand, the cross-face hand, like we do, like people are kind of being like, what, what is he talking about? Unless you come to class, you won't understand fully what I'm talking about. And it's designed that way because I'm using this as a teaser to get people to come to a seminar, come to a class, have us out for a seminar so you can actually see for yourself. Okay. So there's a reason why I'm only teasing, lightly teasing what I'm talking about here. Think about it. Had you had that hand control, that hand and wrist control in that position before he settled, you would have gotten out of that pin. You, it would ne- the pin would have never happened, right? The pin yeah. would have never happened. It's funny because I was watching the uh, the video of it again, and I, it's like, all right, fine. I tripped over my feet. Yeah, okay. But watching what happened afterward, what's interesting is I reverted back to what I would say is my old yeah. BJJ stuff. Right. Basically trying to push whatever off, trying to, trying to, I should say this way, trying to clear whatever I can rather than like you're saying, controlling the hands, containing a joint, whatever it is. Instead, I was trying to clear it, making space. But again, from a BJJ competition point of view, because being on your back is okay. I didn't really, really even think about the pin. And so, yeah, you were, I, I remember you telling me, you know, roll the shoulder, 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 shoulder. And all I kept doing was just literally rocking back and forth side to side, trying to quote unquote, get my shoulder off the ground without realizing that my shoulder blades yeah. were still touching. Again, this is obviously from a competition right. point of view, but I think fundamentally to what you're saying is, yeah, I lost, I had no control over the hands of, of my opponent's hands. And that's because I have no control. I'm going to lose the position, which I basically fell into in that sense of like, I fell into the loss, right? Because I had no control of the hands, whether I was standing up or even when I, in the transition of coming down and, or when I was down, right? There was no control of the hand. So really Jason could have done anything to me and basically he did, but he could have done anything to me because I would, I had no position. I literally had no position. I didn't gain any level of control back. That's something to really think about. And then if you look at your feet, what happened to your feet? You were flailing around. You weren't pivoting on the ball of your foot to get your butt out, yep. right? Yep. It, my legs went dead, in my opinion. It, again, because I'm, I was so focused mm-hmm. on my upper body. And th- again, I've mentioned this before. This is my whole quote-unquote four-by-four concept. My my legs weren't my legs were dead. They were like you're saying they're flailing around. They're just doing whatever they're yep. doing on their own. And because I'm so focused on trying to work my upper body, because yeah, you know what? Probably in hindsight now, I can probably say that I was in panic mode because I didn't have anything. And the only thing that I was trying to do was get my shoulder off the ground. Again, competition-wise, forgetting about my shoulder blade. And so I'm just I'm a I'm a squirming little you know a little bird just squirming yeah. around doing doing what I can. And I didn't think I didn't. I wasn't conscious mm-hmm. of anything. Your voice, your voice is in terms of coaching me through that round, sitting in my corner. It was like non-existent, and it slowly started to creep in. Into it's like okay, get shoulder, shoulder, shoulder. Get, you know, get it off, get it off. Watch your shoulders, watch your shoulders. And then you're, and then like you're telling me in the last episode and in the video, it's it says you're yelling like, get get your hips out, right? Get get your hips out. I didn't even hear that. <laughs> I don't even recall hearing that during the competition, to be honest. And now to put that into context of what you're saying today, if this was a life and death situation, if we were playing kill at that point, I mean, legitimately, I'd be dead. dead. I'd be dead. And this is, (laughs) this is specifically why you have to practice the pin where there is a misunderstanding and controversy is you have people say, well, if there's a pin, it means the match is over, and then that's not good enough. 
anybody can pin. Okay, first of all, it doesn't have to mean the match is over, right? You could look at Barnett's tournament. It's just it's a one fall. It's six minutes, one fall. But you could do two out of three falls. If you really had to do it like that, you can do three five-minute rounds, you know, three falls, and let's see what happens, best of three. You can do that. Whatever. You still got to learn it because at the end of the day, people – and the, the, the people that I hear this from, that I hear this complaint from, are sport grapplers, not fighters. You're never going to hear a fighter, an MMA fighter, say, learning a pin is a bad thing. Because why are they pinning you? To fucking hit you. <laughs> yeah. You have to pin to hit. Why was people like Khabib Nurmagomedov so so impressive? Why was George St. Pierre so impressive? John Jones on the ground, so impressive. They weren't doing spinning techniques and Iminari rolls and all this nonsense. They weren't doing that. They're pinning people. They're setting up pins and they're punching you repeatedly over and over and over again until the ref stops or you give up. Either you give up by tap or you give up your back or you give up a limb and then you're done. It all starts with the pin. The pin is the origin of dominance. There is no discussion. There is no further discussion on this matter. The pin is the origin of dominance. And it is so annoying to hear sport BJJ people try and boast and brag about how a pin is useless. When if you are given the, 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 the eyes open, give, give your eyes an opening to see what happens when you get pinned. Well, I could have gotten out of that, but you didn't. You know why? Because you've already been stabbed. Because you've already been punched. All right. And it's just like it's just like this relaxation thing. It's this this concept of, oh, well, it's not a big deal because I can just throw up a triangle and I'll get you with my magic triangle or my omoplata or whatever. It's like, come on. Stop, please. Those things worked. Let, let's be very clear about something. When. And again, I have to get back to this because it's very important. And when we get some of these old people that people that learned from the Gracies in the eighties and stuff like that, they'll come on and they'll talk about this. I know I've heard Eric Paulson talk about this before. The Gracies would often teach you the wrong way to escape something so they could keep submitting you. They would teach you impartial information or I should say partial information just so that you wouldn't have a complete picture so that you couldn't beat them. And then they'll change it after a year and say, oh, now you do this instead. And then you do this and you do that, which is hogwash. The only reason why you do that is because you're just stringing people along and you're just trying to, you know, make money off them. It's not to really have them grow because you don't want them to, quote, beat you. You don't want them to be better than you. You know, it's the psychology of, oh, we're the dominant people, whatever. So... If you're learning the wrong technique <laughs> and you're not learning to pin, you're going to think that the triangle position off the bottom, the triangle submission is the greatest submission in the history of the world. Because you didn't learn a pin, you didn't learn proper posture in the guard, you didn't learn a throw to avoid the guard to begin with, you didn't learn any proper takedowns to circle the legs, which is what we teach, which is how we train at PCI. So you didn't learn how to control the hips. You didn't learn how to shut down somebody's hips or shut down somebody's head. So when you're constantly having a group of people gaming the rules, changing the rules and making adjustment after adjustment after adjustment, just to make themselves look good. Come on. It's not realistic. It's not real. Because when you, you put the other so, stuff into play, no, go ahead, sorry. go ahead. But when you put this into play, it, ch it changes things. It changes perspectives. Go ahead. Yeah, and to build off of that, this is kind of where I, I really see 
Chris Howder's rules play exactly. a role, right? The rewarding, quote unquote, the rewarding yes. nature of the guard. And it, it's fascinating in that, yeah, when when I think back to my BJJ days, it is very comfortable mm-hmm. to be on your back. You don't have a three, again, competition-wise, you don't have a three count to worry about. Self-defense-wise, you don't have any, there are no threats. Yeah. And it, it is, it gives you plenty yeah. of time. Now, again, I'm not trying to discount that BJJ, BJJ is not effective in self-defense or anything of that sort, but I think that this concept of implementing the pin into your training into the art itself. And like you're saying, as the origin of dominance, physical dominance is, is really, really, really fascinating because again, competition wise, it forces you to move. You don't want to be in that negative position. You don't want to be in that uh, disadvantaged position. So that leads me to another question then is no Hmm. pun intended. Does size matter? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, yes and no. But I'll, 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 I'll frame this two different ways. Unless you've been pinned by Hegan Machado, you really don't know what it's like to have your life flash before your eyes. I'll say that. Okay? <laughs> so, Hegan's style of grappling, for those of you who have never rolled with Hegan, and I'm saying this specifically because it doesn't matter what Hegan teaches anymore. That's irrelevant, okay? I'm talking about Hegan's actual style of grappling. It's a pinning and twisting style. It's very catch. It's very catch-oriented. There's a reason why, and we'll get this get into this in another podcast. Let's just put it this way. The Machado's always took their hats off and bent a knee to Jean LaBelle. Okay? I'm just going to leave it at that. Now, Hegan's style of jiu-jitsu is all pins. It's all pins. It's pin. It's pressure. You can't have pressure without a pin. Pressure is pin. <laughs> okay? It's pressure. It's twisting. It's, 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 um, Wrapping the spine, it's ripping people to shreds. You're smothering them with pins to the point that they're tapping from the pin pressure. They're not tapping from an arm lock or a leg lock or a neck crank or a choke. They're tapping from the pressure. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, there's not a lot of people these days that'll that'll show that. We're talking about people like, you know, I mean, I show it, but... Yeah, Josh Barnett that that has this style. Hegan Machado has this style. Roberto Godoy has this style. Chris Howder has this style. So getting back to when you're saying does size matter, Chris Howder is maybe 155 pounds these days. Okay? I've always been bigger than Chris Howder. I've always had 30 pounds on Chris Howder. I'm taller. I'm like six feet tall. I think Howder's like five seven, five six, whatever. He's smaller than me by every every comparison. Doesn't matter. The way he would beat my ass for years and years, hours and hours on the mat, of successive pins and pressure and grinding was done not because he was bigger than me, but because his expertise in pinning and control were so far advanced that there was nothing I could do. Okay. It was just like, there were times that there've been these people that I've rolled with that I've trained with. Okay. Chris Howder, Higa Machado, Josh Barnett, Marcel Lozado, where there were times where I was just like, am I better off dead? Right. It's, it's so intense that the pressure of the pins are so intense where it's just like, "Mm, am I done? Is this, am I, am I done for the day? You're questioning your own sanity of why did you get on the mat? 
And then you're questioning their graciousness of mercy. Will they have enough mercy to relent from that pin they're putting on you? Mm-hmm. That's when you know you're fucked. <laughs> okay? <laughs> That's the only way I could describe it. You're sitting there questioning yourself, I can't breathe, I can't move, I'm pinned. Am I going to survive? And I, I, I've told this, I think I've told this story on the podcast before. Chris you, Howder used to say to me, he'd be yelling at me, you know, it'd be the two of us in the garage. He'd be like, Brian, you're not going to die. Keep moving. You'll survive. You're not going to die. And I can't breathe because his pin is so intense, right? And I'm this like angry ass blue belt trying to be like, you know, trying to be beat up the black belt, the legendary black belt. I'm like going, I can do it. I can do it. I know I can. I'm like going, he's telling me I'm not going to die, but I feel like today's the day I die. Right. But he's reassuring me in my head. You know, I have to do this to Tati sometimes. I just tell, I don't tell her she's not going to die. Go keep moving. Otherwise I'm really going to hurt you. (laughs) (laughs) But you really have to have a lot of faith in the person on top of you, who is the superior pinner, right? Mm-hmm. That they're not going to kill you. Cause the significance of the mm-hmm. pin cannot be, um, it cannot be downplayed. I'm sorry. It just, it cannot be downplayed. If you think it is, please, by all means, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have you come out to Southern California. I'm going to put you in a room with the following people. Josh Barnett, Hegan Machado, Chris Howder, Marcel Lozado. And you're going to go with each of them successfully, successively, yeah, five minutes each. And you tell me after that, that's what, how do I meet people that name? Four people, five people? Okay. Four, yeah. You tell me after the five minutes each of them, tell me that the pin is insignificant. Please. Please tell me the pin is insignificant. While you're sitting there, I guarantee you, I don't care who is listening to this podcast. If you make it with 30 seconds with any of them, I'd be impressed. And they're in, they're in there, they're setting their, they're setting their pin. And you're telling me it, it doesn't work. It's, it's useless in BJJ. Freaking idiot. Seriously. I feel like when people, I feel like when people talk about the pin or quote unquote pins, especially in oh. the BJJ area, it's usually, and the, the reason why I asked about mm. does size matter is because, yeah, I think there's a limit, right? If I, if I, if again, me versus Tati, like, yeah, we're, what did we say last time? It was like 130 yeah. pound difference, yeah. if not more than that. Um, that if I had a top position on her and I put my weight pressure on her, yeah, there's a strength difference. There's, you know, like, like we say, if you're on the bottom, you're fighting gravity on as well yeah. as the opponent anyway, that there, there would be a certain line. But what I find interesting is how much, how many people use the term or, or this concept that it's not that they're getting pinned. They won't admit to the pin rather. They'll just say that the opponent yeah. was heavy. Right. And so I, I will say that in, in my I think I have a legitimate excuse on that one. Oh, it's not really an excuse, a legitimate uh, context mm. around that in that where I weigh in for, again, specifically competition wise in competitions, it's a, it's an open heavyweight yeah. class. There's no limit, right? There's no cutoff. I can be going against a, a guy who's 50 pounds heavier than me, a guy who's 90 pounds, a hundred pounds. Again, I don't know how much more or less Jason, both Jason's, uh, Rilla Wolf and Jason Martinez weighed compared to me, but it they were heavy. They were heavy. I felt I, I, I in a sense, I was yeah. fighting gravity, and I'll, I'll admit because of that weight. I mean, more specifically with Jason, my second match, Jason Martinez, is that he he had me pinned. No. He had me pinned. Sim- very simply put, he had me pinned. Now, to counter the pin, to fight off the pin, absolutely it was difficult. Why? Because one, I felt like I had no leverage. Two, obviously, he we're in a heavyweight class, and so he's going to have weight on me anyway. 
but I also think like, yeah, if you, if he was 30 pounds, 50 pounds lighter than, than me, again, I lost a hand fight. He had me pinned without having much leverage to be able to fight it off. Again, not moving my hips out or anything of that sort. I lost, I lost to a pin period. Right. And so it's, that's kind of why that's where my whole concept around or my reasoning for asking does size matter is because in, in a, again, competition setting in a super, in a a heavyweight class, if there is, especially if it's open, there's no limit to it. There's only a, there's only a minimum. (laughs) There's no maximum (laughs) is there's a lot more gravity. I shouldn't say a lot more gravity. Gravity is playing a more significant role because of the weight of the person that I'm competing against. Yeah. But I mean, a couple things. Number one, there's weight classes for a reason. Right. Mm -hmm. But two, using our dear Tati as an example, again, if she's, let's say she's shin riding your jaw. You getting up? Exactly. Nope. If she has her hip pressured properly on your head, and she's hitting her her K position like we do, right? Hitting her diagonal sprawl, Wade Shallow style. You really think you're going to get up? No. Nope. That's a hundred and thirty pound difference. So there's something to be said about okay, yeah, weight. But you're pretty much, when you're in the weight class, it's not that big of a difference. You have, let's say that those guys weren't that much heavier than you or lighter. I mean, that Mm -hmm. Martinez is probably about the same weight as you, if not lighter, I think. Rilla Wolf was probably a little bit heavier. That was a big dude. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, okay, get back to the fact that you outgrappled him on the feet until you tripped. Okay, mm-hmm. so even though he was this freaking monster, his you know arms are the size of my thighs, you outgrappled him on the feet. Okay, the other guy you tripped again, he pinned you because your hand position was incorrect. You lost, you had no control over yeah. your feet, and when you're on the bottom you didn't swivel out you didn't pivot on your toes you didn't get your ass out like i told you to you didn't get your shoulder off the mat and you allowed him to cross face you you didn't control the cross face hand so the weight wasn't the issue it was the mechanical failure that was the issue Mm -hmm. had you started to apply the proper mechanical techniques you would have gotten out of the pin Yes, I didn't feel ashamed for. I'm just, I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, you know, no, I'm no, giving no, you no, the no, reality. No. The reality is, we like yeah. to go. Oh well, there's somebody, so and so was bigger than me, and blah 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 blah. So, I don't remember how many years this was. It was at least twenty years ago. I had this fight. This guy, bigger than me, right? Um. So this was back when, yeah, technically you had weight classes, but people were using IVs and you could weigh in heavier. And I never, I never did a lot of weight cutting. I just kind of always stayed right around where I was. Excuse me. So let's say the, I don't remember what I was at the time. Let's say the fight was at 185 pounds. I'm just using this as an example. I don't remember what it was. The guy, the day of the fight was significantly heavier. I felt like he had about 25 pounds on me. Taller, right? I'm about six. I mean, my spine has compressed so much. I'm six foot after the, uh, you know, chiropractor. But I'm pretty, you know, I've I've shortened over the years. <laughs> um, so I'm about six feet tall. This guy was about six two, six three, good 25 pounds heavier than me. Okay, I'm like, yeah, I can figure it out. But the dude, he was a Muay Thai guy, stunk like cigarettes. So these Muay Thai people, for some reason, a lot of these Muay Thai guys, and this was a big white guy, Muay Thai guy, loves smoking cigarettes. This guy just smelled like an ashtray. Okay, so you're going out there, you're fighting this guy. This <laughs> fucker stinks like an ashtray. <laughs> Anyways, he has me in a plum 
Okay. I'm not a Muay Thai guy. I was a Dutch style, so I was more boxing oriented. I'm trying to get in, and all of a sudden he clamps up. If you guys don't know what a, the Thai plum is, it's, he's got two hands clapped behind the back of my head, and he's trying to pull me down. I'm staying upright. I'm trying to box out of it. I can't, and he's trying to throw these knees. He's throwing the knees, throwing the knees, throwing the knees, but he didn't have anything on the knees. I mean, this is like he was doing it more for show because I think he was just trying to rack up points or whatever. And I, I remember I'm like going, I cannot get out of this. And I'm thinking to myself, it's just because he's, he's 25 pounds heavier than me. That's why I can't get out of this plum. And this was probably, it was not the first round. It was probably like the second or had it been second or third round, something like this. And so literally for the duration of the round. So if it was a three minute round, I'd say, Two out of the three minutes, he's got me plumbed up and he's trying to knee me in, in the in the chest. I can't get out. I'm like, fuck, I lost this round. I go back to the corner. I'm like, oh, he's so strong. He's so heavy. I can't get out of the plum. And my coach is just like, well, he's just like, you're going the wrong way. Why didn't you just block his hip and turn out or whatever it was that he said? I was like, oh. totally changed so then he tried to do it again boom i was out in two seconds so it was this this mystique this thing that i had in my head that because he was had two three inches on me 25 pounds on me stunk like cigarettes and felt like iron i couldn't get out of the plum no it's just i didn't transition my my body properly to get out that's why i'm bringing this up because Mm -hmm. it's the same thing that happened to you so it wasn't his weight it was just that they were just mechanical failures of the technique. You didn't follow the proper mechanics of the technique to get out. Okay. So we don't want to use so much the yeah. weight excuse <clears throat> because I'll tell you this. It doesn't matter. Like, okay, I'm 180 pounds. I'm just going to use... Josh Barnett as an example again. I'll use Hegan as an example again. Yes, both of them are much bigger than me weight-wise. Okay? Josh is taller. Mm-hmm. Josh weighs easily 50 pounds more than me. Whatever. It'll never be a weight thing as to why I can't get out. He's just going to out. It's Yes, he's going to know how to use his weight, but it's a technical thing. I lost a position. I let him mm-hmm. put me in that I got stuck in that position because his technique was superior in that position. I know for a fact that if Hegan's got me in that cross side, unless he lets me up, I'm not getting out. Right. There's just people where, okay, when I'm rolling with Marcel Lozado, I'm not, unless he wants to transition out of another position, I just have to wait. I literally have to wait because he's so strong and he's so technical with his pins and his setups that if I counter the wrong way, it's worse. So it's easier for me to be patient and wait. And because when I, we're rolling, there isn't a three-count pin, I can afford to be pinned or I can transition a little bit and wait. And I, I'm not worried too much about the shoulders being on the mat. But I'll tell you what, here's the other thing. When your shoulders are on the mat like that in that style of pin, it's hard to breathe. It's really, really hard to breathe. I'd rather yeah. be on my side than be on flat on my back. Sorry. That's the issue. It's, it is debilitating. And to me, again, like I said, there, there's no argument for this. I'm sorry. I've rolled with the best people in the world. I've trained with the best pinners in the world. I've trained with the best pressure passers in the world. I, I've been on the mat with the best of the best in the world. And I'm telling you, it's just, <laughs> it's about the technique, but it's about the understanding their superiority has to do with their knowledge of pinning. It is what it is. The top position is always king. Always. I don't care what anybody says. So final question then. So we talked about Again, the technicalities of the pin. We talked about the, again, 
the size matter in terms of weight. So my, my final question is, does strength matter in a pin? Because to me, the way that I see it is that, like you were saying, if Tati has a mm-hmm. pin on my jaw or the hips are on my head, whatever it is, she's got the control. She's got the pin in that sense. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm really not going to move. But at the same time, it's not, again, nothing against, Tati, nothing against Tatiana is that obviously just mm-hmm. with my size, I probably have a lot sure. more strength than she does. Right. And so my question would be, does strength matter than in a pin or when it comes to pinning? Yeah. Cause you could like throw somebody off of you. Absolutely. Yeah. It matters. Okay. Okay. Simple. Um, (laughs) I, I believe so. Um, just because I've had people throw me off. Didn't matter how technical I was mm-hmm. with it. They're bigger, they're stronger, and they just go, whoop, <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, from the... Yeah, from the top, top position, position too, absolutely. If, if, I mean, if, look, Josh Barnett has said this. He says, I don't care what any of these jujitsu people say. They all use strength. Strength matters. Conditioning matters. Carl Gotch yeah. said, what did Carl Gotch say? Conditioning is your greatest hold. Part of conditioning is your strength. When you're mm-hmm. when you're with somebody that's relatively evenly matched, strength plays a role. Who's stronger and who's better conditioned absolutely will dictate the winner of the match. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's that it's 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 that simple. So yes, strength matters. Conditioning matters. Of course it does. Do we want that to be the focal point? No. It's not about, okay, well, if I go, you know, squat 500 pounds, I'll be able to bench press anybody off of me. No, we're not talking about that. I don't want you to bench press people off of side control, right? Learn how to... As, av- Which is kind of what I figured yeah, out. Yeah, learn to how to avoid the cross-side pin to begin with, right? We have a methodology mm-hmm. for that. Learn how to avoid that. Learn how to work out of it. Learn how to be stronger in the top position. Learn how to be dynamic. That's that's what matters. But yes, strength and conditioning absolutely matters. And we'll get people on that's going to talk about strength and conditioning specifically for grappling. I have that lined up. We've got a lot of cool, interesting people coming on going forward. Yeah, you know? I'm excited for all that. So basically, for everybody that's listening, go... Work, work on, on your pins. pins. Both sides, pins. escaping <laughs> and pinning. You have to yeah. you have to work on this. I mean, if you watch MMA, you should know and understand that pins matter. <clears throat> if you have no interest in MMA, you have no interest in combat, and you only have interest in looking like a, you know, circus performer in a sport jujitsu tournament, then don't. Go ahead. Go do interpretive dance. I'm happy for you. Go enjoy all the interpretive dance you want. But please, please do not say that you are some type of superior grappler because you know interpretive dance on the floor. Okay? Sorry. It's not going to work because the minute you encounter your first pin, the minute you encounter a shin right off of one of your joints, you're going to be screaming like a little bitch. That's not fair. Uh-huh. That's not fair. Why did you do that? It's called submission grappling. I'm here to wreck you. Is what it is. www.sandablesports.com forward slash PCI jujitsu. Get 10% off everything you purchase every time you purchase at sandablesports.com with the PCI jujitsu code. And Ed, what else do you have for us? Actually, I got one poll question. So if you guys are listening to this on Spotify, and we'll also, I'll probably throw this up on uh, Instagram as well is we've been getting some feedback from from you guys that you guys would love to see some merch. 
And so Coach Brian and I are kind of talking through that as to what we would like to see. So we'd like, I'd like to throw it out there to you guys um, to to vote to see what kind of merch would you guys would be interested in uh, for Level Up Grappling. And first off, we're just super excited that you guys even <laughs> want to buy merch from us and that you guys are asking for that. So it's super awesome. And then once again, one of our big fans, Eric, we, we heard you. I, I <laughs> We saw the comment, right? And so whether it's rash guards, T-shirts, hats, or something, uh, there will be a poll here on Spotify as well as on our Instagram. And so we would love for you guys to participate in that and we'll see where it goes. And uh, yeah, we're going to work on trying to get some merch out. And once again, just the fact that you guys are engaging with us, we're super thankful. Again, like I said in the last episode, you guys could have spent an hour doing anything else, but you decided to listen to the two of us who sit here and just talk to each other. (laughs) about painting (laughs) (laughs) so we are grateful we are humbled by your support we can't thank you guys enough and um we'd really appreciate it if you guys would leave us a review of our of the podcast on apple uh or wherever you're listening to spotify or apple wherever you're listening to podcasts um especially and we we want to read all the comments and so yeah that's start go go work on your pins everybody go work on your pins (laughs) so So with that, um, this is Ed and with Coach Brian, and we'll catch you guys on the next one.